0: After a show in 2004, a meeting took place outside of the Black Forest in Eugene, Oregon. The first encounter between two creative individuals, myself and a one-man band referred to as Uncle Nancy. I told him I enjoyed his set and asked him if he'd be interested in working together. I spit a memorized verse while we smoked cigarettes in an alley. Uncle Nancy, who had much more experience creating music, saw the potential in the edge to my delivery and my deep politically charged words and simply said... You should come over and record that. Let's make an album. Fast forward a couple months and the antidote was born. An almost anti-hip hop crew of Uncle Nancy, a mutual friend Billy D, and me, self-esteem Boat Willie, began gracing the stages of Lane County with a style hip hop had never seen. We dubbed it the Attack of the Whack. For two years, Uncle Nancy taught me everything there was to know about amateur music production and how to hit the ground running with a DIY style and determination. Today on the Spent the Rent podcast, the man who, without his influence, this show may never have happened. Coming up next, Joey Helpish, aka Uncle Nancy. <laughs> Podcast. I am your host, Self Esteem Boat Willie. My guest today is a longtime friend, Joey Helpish, aka Uncle Nancy. Joey, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, man.
0: This is really cool. We're going to get into a story about how we uh, came to be a crew of shitty hip hop <laughs> artists, and we're going to, you know, talk about a lot of stuff. I brought you on because I'm doing a four part series on podcasters. Last week mm. we had the Nonsense Hour. Now we're talking to you and we're going to talk a little bit about the podcast that you have. It's called How to Song. Yeah. And so we'll get to that in just a second. Also, you've got a music school up in Portland that's mm-hmm. just killing it that you know, we're going to share and a bunch of bunch of stuff. Brand new album, all kinds of stuff. You're mm-hmm. always you're always working constantly. So, let's just tell a story first about how we met. You were doing yeah. a show at the Black Forest and the best way that I could describe it is that it was basically like a local 9-inch nails. Like kind of industrial. You had two mics. You can talk about it.
1: Yeah. So when I first started as well, first of all, when I first started as Uncle Nancy, it was a band and everyone left except for me. So then it just became a one man show. But I would have these racks. um, They were like PVC pipe racks full of like CD loopers. I used to scratch tapes and do all this stuff. And then I had a harmonica mic that I sang through for the raspy, rappy stuff. And then another mic. Uh, plugged into a vocal effects
0: and it was pretty like just shocking simple pop sounding lyrics like i shot jesus yeah these like crazy things very shock rocky yeah and so we my my friend sean she told me to come and see you she's she showed me some of your recordings and i knew right away that the production quality was really high for a local artist you know at that Mm -hmm. time and and very unique so she's like, you need to come to this show. So I go to the Black Forest and I watched it. And then I had been writing lyrics, but I had never recorded anything. And we met outside after the show. And I just told you, like I said in the intro, I was like, man, that was really cool. Let me spit something. And I spit some terrible reggae verse. Yeah, so, it was dope enough. And you're like, instantly, yeah. come record that. And then a month later, literally a month later, we had an album.
1: It was yeah, maybe possibly, two possibly even less than that. Yeah, because uh, I think we had an album and a half uh, when we first started. Didn't we make a Christmas album too? We did. But your computer crashed. Oh right. Yes.
0: So you know, the antidote basically what it was was an anti-hip hop hip hop group. And yeah. it was basically a way for us to get out of our show.
1: Yeah. With hip hop. Yeah, and I like I loved hip hop, but didn't really like rap, rappers. I don't know. There's <laughs> a lot of the ego stuff that I think that we Well
0: at that time everybody in Eugene was saying that all other MCs were whack. Right. So you had had this idea. You're like, "Why don't we just call ourselves whack?" And then every time they'll be talking about then us. Then every
1: right, then every single rapper is talking about. All
0: us. it is is a battle rap against us personally. Yeah. And so that's how we got on the map. And <laughs> literally people in Eugene had to stop saying it. And we wrote really bad songs and we practiced them all the time.
1: Yeah, it was the most well-practiced whack music ever. Yeah,
0: cuz we'd practice four times a week and Billy D was in the band and he would wear like a little girl or like a girl scout Uniform. Yeah, I think was... that's when
1: I started wearing onesies on stage uh, and pajama pants. Yeah, it was around that era.
0: So that became a thing, and then you know, you taught me at that time how to record music and how to use Acid Pro and how to crack programs and all that fun stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, we call you the proto dandy because you were technically the first person I ever taught music. There were people like in high school that um, I'm actually teaching one guy that I went to high school with. Uh, and it's funny because he has all these stories about what an impatient asshole I was.
2: Oh yeah. I was
0: and in- I can vouch, Yeah, I you know, was. cause the first, so you, you started teaching me how to record music and basically they call it the captain's chair. So like I would sit as you recorded your instruments, because I didn't really mm. play instruments, I would just do the production. So as I'm recording and the, you'd always say to me, what's the first rule. And I'd have to repeat, don't be an idiot. <laughs> yep. And then I just hated it, but it was, I was willing, I saw the vision and I saw what you were trying to do and you were, patient enough with me too because you had in my mind you were already past that point so you had to take a step back to teach this you know amateur musician how to write how to song right essentially that's what the podcast is. so yeah so that's what you've told me we've had this conversation about how i was basically the disciple and the first the first student so now you say dandy first of all explain to us what a dandy is so
1: rather than use the word artist or student uh Kirsten and I that's my fiance my partner the other half of Dandyland um we call them dandies cuz the name of our school is Dandyland uh and a dandy is really someone who is both a student and an artist at the same time right so that there's not like oh I'm a student until I'm an artist no you're both no, at the same I, time and i
0: think that's one thing that you possessed early on with all music is that Mm -hmm. you look at every single human being as as being an artist yeah so that everyone has something that they can do even if you are painting a painting and no one else appreciates it if you had fun doing it Mm -hmm. one thing i learned about making music is that the only time you make good music is if you care more about the process than you do about the finished product
1: that's a a
0: big and so thing. it I've sounds like preached, we're yeah. going to talk a lot about the kids that you're working with and the age groups and whatnot because you're fortunate enough that your clients and your your friends
1: basically are mm-hmm. like nine and ten year olds a lot of time. Yeah, about half of the people that we work with at Dandyland are around ten years old.
0: So the podcast is an offshoot of Dandyland, so we'll get to that mm-hmm. podcast more in a, a little bit. But Dandyland is a music school that you have this vision that you could and you can speak on that.
1: Yeah, I can kind of tell. Uh, so you know, I. I uh, performed as Uncle Nancy for a long time, Uh, had some health issues almost a decade ago that forced me to kind of put the brakes on things. On performance. Uh, Yeah. Um, And recording, just like the whole thing, like our band, my band, Uncle Nancy and Family Jewels kind of called it quits, even though we play a couple times a year still. Um, But I ended up for several years doing homeschooling um, and working with a lot of people on the autism spectrum. And then... I had a breakup, I was living on the coast, and I was like, okay, I'm going to move back to Portland. I hadn't lived in Portland for like seven years. And I moved up, and I knew that I wanted to keep teaching. I just didn't know what, like, actually, originally, I wanted to start kind of a homeschool, middle school hybrid thing. Like teaching music, because you were self-taught. No, music wasn't a part of it. No, when I moved had, to Portland. I had stepped away completely from the music. When I, it was, well, I mean, okay, it was a part of what I did with homeschool. But when I moved to Portland, I hooked up with my friend Keegan Smith, who was a musician that I worked with uh, years ago, and he um, worked with a bunch of kids. I was like, hey, let's start a school, and he almost did, and then he was like, I just can't. Like, I'm too busy. I don't think I, I think I would flake out. And so he introduced me to somebody who we thought would be a really good fit to start a business with. And that was Kirsten. Um, And then we kind of accidentally fell in love. (laughs) And uh, so during that time, I was just trying to survive. Like I moved into my brother's laundry mat. Right. In Portland. And And then improvise and find ways as. And a a buddy of mine, actually Keegan was like, I'll I'll pay you to give lessons to the kids. And then another, another buddy of mine was like, you should, Teach music, and I never ever had gotten paid to teach music ever before. Um, But I had all these kind of methods uh, that I that were different a different way of going about learning music from teaching myself. And through word of mouth, it started with a couple, and then seven, and then by the second year, uh, 40.
0: Right. And so early (laughs) on, what you had found through word of mouth is you had a mom. That her son was you said on the spectrum so first yeah. of all i think that this is important for people to understand that what you told me when we first really started hanging out was that you had asperger's or autism you didn't really know what to call whatever yeah i
1: wasn't officially diagnosed yet right until I was like okay 26.
0: and but you i mean you you told me and it all makes sense now in hindsight because we were yeah. the society was learning what that meant yeah. and what you know, you say it all the time on your Facebook posts and whatnot that Asperger's or or autism is not a disability. It's a it's a spectrum. It's a way that you yeah. think. It's a way that you're wired. So it's not. It's just being out it's of the normal, unconventional, right? Yeah. It can be a strength. So uh, you started making music at a really young age, and you're, you're banging on pots and pans, whatever else. Yeah. And your mom was like, "Whoa, everything's in rhythm." <laughs> And so you started picking up every instrument and it was just yep. a natural. You called yourself when we had met your last album, I think was called Idiot Savant. Yeah. And so, you know, you can speak on that where Uncle Nancy was something that was so larger than yourself because you yeah. weren't able
1: to vocalize. Right. He was socially. A, he was a bit of a character that I still have this weird battle with uh, because I am Uncle Nancy. Right. Um, but... It was this kind of uh,
0: well, you get to be
1: the shield larger yeah. than life, yeah. Where um, you know, I can drop f bombs and say really offensive stuff, and it's okay because it's Uncle Nancy, it's not me, right? Uh, Which
0: I'm glad is as, as knowing you as a friend too, that you've separated the two, even though it sounds insane to do. Yeah, it does. But but to separate the two and acknowledge it is a sign of of growth as a human mm-hmm. being because there's. Anyone that knows from that's listening to this that may have known you in the past as Uncle Nancy mm-hmm. is like, oh, yeah, he shouldn't be that person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because as a human being, it was this giant, charismatic, hard headed yeah. thing. You know, so it's pretty interesting to see you evolve as an artist. And we're going to, I mean, well, there's so much to, we're going to yeah, bounce all over the lot. place. But the Joey Helpish thing and how that began, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. So, anyways, the school. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys started teaching and then you had met. A woman, how did the
1: situation, we're not going to use names, but a young kid, how old was he? Oh, he was 11 um, at the time, and he was one of my first uh, children. I I mostly teach adults, and that's still, um, I guess it's about 50-50 now, Um, but most of my first students were adults. Um, And then uh, a friend of mine brought me a kid that she worked with who was on the autism spectrum and then also had a younger... Uh, sister who um, I think has ADHD or ADD, I always get confused, but uh, is different, weird, and um, was told that he would be nonverbal most of his life. I never believe it when someone says that about right. someone who you're is autistic. And you just like, oh, we just haven't cracked the peanut. Essentially, we haven't found what right. it is that... And so we kind of helped him improve his speech and communication skills through hip-hop. Uh, the first song he wrote was a cute little ukulele song called Boring Stuff. And it was just a list of boring things. Right. Um, and then he started animating. I taught him how to animate, and now he has his own um, channel. He's got his own show and uh, is definitely not nonverbal. Right. And you can find all that stuff on YouTube. We'll post some yeah. of the links. So the links
0: will be from Dandelion's YouTube. And yeah. It's insane. So working with the students, not only teaching them how to song, yeah. but like the podcast, where it's a simple... We can take an afternoon and make all of the music for the backing tracks. And then all you have yep. to do is use your creativity to make the words. And it's a real simple thing to just explain mm-hmm. to someone. Cause you have a formula.
1: Yeah. And that, uh, that formula is, it's just the biggest deal in the world. Cause I, I, al- I always had a formula always, but I never really had a way to communicate what it was. And that has happened recently in a big way. We, Kirsten and I invented this thing called root motives So it's emotional music theory. So it deals with numbers and distance between notes, but also what emotions get brought up during that. Right. Um, And
0: it's hard to do over an audio podcast because if you know music theory, yeah, you explain it to me and it's crazy because you wrote down some keywords. Now
1: what are the words? So you have do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. Everybody knows that. Right. Each one of those is a number, um, a position in the scale. There's seven notes. So do, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, and then do again, which is just one. It just repeats like that forever. That's what music is. Each one of those notes has a chord. Each one of those chords makes people feel an emotion. So there's love, longing, sorrow, hope, power, despair, and transition. And so I can sit with the kid and say, how's your week? Pick three of these uh, emotional root motives those are the chords that, and then we can just
0: right correspond
1: yeah. with like a note or a chord
0: so that you can then bounce through a song on the acoustic guitar or keyboard yeah. it's yeah. pretty phenomenal it's and really cool when you see it in action so the best way have you broken this down
1: anywhere online or is no, it I'm still, something
0: that's still in your lessons
1: it's still in the lessons um we actually we have a second service that we other than lessons that we just started this year called song therapy so we use that root motive process to let somebody rant for 20 minutes. And then I basically translate everything that they're saying into verse, like an improvised song on guitar. Yeah. Well, first I do the lyrics while they're talking, I'm translating what they are saying into like seven syllable lines and making, you know, basically writing the lyrics to the song. And then I have them pick from those root motives that becomes the chords And they always match up with the lyrics because that's the whole point is if you're writing a happy song, you're in a major key, you're rooted in love. If you're writing a sad song, you're in a minor key, which means you're rooted in despair. And, um, so it's been getting, and I've been talking more and more about it. Uh, it's still sort of at the tail end of being in development. It's been two years now that we've been developing that process that we call root motives. Um, but I have been working on their, uh, you know, putting together, I'm actually working on a book uh, that explains root motives, but also some videos. And I started, I actually did a video for how to song on my YouTube channel. Um, And I think I'm going to do that more. Uh, So,
0: so I, I I would imagine that when you're teaching a kid root motives, why mm -hmm. they grab onto it so easily, especially kids on the spectrum is because they are then able to almost in, like externalize the emotion that's attached yeah. to each note or each chord. Yeah. So that allows an association with the connection of that's what music should do yeah. in general is it should, it should, the chord should match your emotion. Right. A big you know?
1: motivation for figuring out root motives has been that people always say that music is therapy and they always say that music is a language that no one can ever tell me how or why. Right. Yeah. And so that's really been a big part of what we've been trying to do is kind of quantify that and give a language yeah. for the language. It's really beautiful. You know? I mean, yeah. it's
0: hard to get through. I know when you're listening to this podcast and so yeah. I just, the best way I'm going to say this a bunch of times throughout the show, just look into dandy yeah. and through social media and what you do and the way that you present it. It's cool. Cause it's an, it's definitely not on the norm. I mean, the way that you do your social media, I'm surprised that you haven't had challenges and I'm sure you have on dealing with parents. Because you're yeah. definitely unconventional. And I, it reminds me of a story back when we were doing music, you had to pay the bills. So mm-hmm. you worked as a caregiver yeah. and you had gotten fired from a job and you can tell the story more. Yeah. But what I remember was that you had got fired from a job because there was a woman that wouldn't bathe. And one day you're like, I'll just bring swim trunks. And yeah. so you jumped in a shower with her because you have this vision that's like, I will do it the unconventional way to yeah. make it happen. And the reason people will believe in it is because you believe in it. Right. Right. And that's how it starts. Right.
1: We haven't had, I mean, I we haven't had too much problems with parents because we do kind of vet. The biggest way that we vet is that we put out a bunch of content and a, and a lot of that content. Um, it kid, turns them off. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, really hardcore Trump supporters that are bringing their kids to dandyland because we put out a song um, called Cheese, where a ten-year-old sings about how Donald Trump is orange and evil. Well, it's because you cheese, are you know.
0: believe in free speech yeah. and zero filter. Yeah, because when you're creating art, if you have a filter, you're not it's, doing it. Yeah,
1: it's. But it, what's the point? You're
0: stopping the connection from yeah. the emotion that's true and honest. Yeah. And yes, and
1: there is nothing more validating than just being allowed to say whatever you want. Right. Uh, and not have to worry about it. And if it, if you don't want to put it out, don't put it out. Well, and kids, do. It, The reason that I think that the kids with autism, not
0: only are they drawn to you because you can relate, yeah, but because it's, nobody knows how to just be honest about it. And the kids mm-hmm. that struggle, the reason that and, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, yeah. the, but the reason that it's a challenge is because kids cannot get that emotion across that. They're just numb to it, that yeah. they're like, you don't understand. I can't explain to you that I feel numb.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, you know, yeah. and
0: so how, like, they're like, what's going on? You're like nothing. Yeah. And so it's just difficult to get across. Yeah. Now with music, you see someone, something comes alive. Yeah. It's the universal language. Yeah. You know, so something comes alive where you've, you've tapped into it. It's pretty impressive. So yeah, yeah Dandeland, the school is in Portland. I rarely reach out to past Eugene, but you're from the area. So we, we
1: yeah, I am. I still feel like I live here cause I really live on the internet and actually, <laughs> uh, uh, we have a studio in Portland, but we've moved almost 90% of the business to, to Eugene. no, well kind of to the internet. Right. Um, and we have a lot of clients and a lot of students that are from, which is good. Eugene. Cause that's
0: the future of education period. Yeah. I think is online and not that like we talked about this off air and people aren't going to know that, but like yeah. the, we talked about the, the future of like public education and how there's mm-hmm. going to be certain kids that just don't sit in a classroom for one, it's too violent. Yeah. Never thought, you know, yeah. a classroom, but anyway, so, so, uh, now the podcast, the reason I had you on this yeah. week is I'm doing this four part series on podcasters. And so how to song, I mean, we kind of just went over it. That's how you, you yeah, know, I, basically. that's breaking down the vision. So I haven't listened to every episode, mm-hmm. but I, you're probably dropping hints, getting to this formula, but really constantly.
1: Yeah. And so it basically the format is that I just it started off with a lot more production and I, and I was very fancy about it and then realized that I'm me and I don't like to edit things. Right. So now the whole thing is live. It's me with my headphones on, a microphone on. Um, and then I've got some instruments around me. Um, I use exclusively use GarageBand because it's accessible and easy. Um, and that's what we teach, too. We teach people to make music on their phones. Which their is rad because then it yeah.
0: opens it up to people that maybe have. I mean, most at this point, most people have an iPhone. Right, you know, and and
1: iPads are very accessible. Like m-
0: musical equipment can be really expensive. Yeah. So the fact that now you can do it with a phone. Yep. You have to do it. Yeah. You know, and you have a slogan that you say all the time. That is awesome. Is it? Is it make something terrible today? Or no, it's
1: it just make something terrible. Okay,
0: so you, basically, it's basically what it means is if you're an artist of any kind. So you uh-huh. like to draw, you like to paint, you like to qu- make a quilt mm-hmm. or a song. Then you should do that today and you should do a bad job at it because if you continuously do that, you'll get better at it. What
1: that comes from is I started catching myself saying the same thing over and over and over to either anxious adults, because we do that as adults. We're anxious about putting stuff out there or kids that have a little bit of perfectionism going on. I just say, look, let's assume this is going to be awful Then do it anyway so we can do it again. So we can go through the process and get good to the process so that when you see a sunset and you are inspired by that sunset and you wish you could write a song, you know exactly how to go about it because you've done it so Because you've already times. tried. Yeah. And
0: yeah, right. And that's what we did with the antidote yeah. is that we, our first album was called Attack of the Whack. Mm-hmm. And our second album before we even wrote the first album we agreed was going to be called the good album right and we basically would just get it out of the way and i think our fourth album which was never made was going to be the good album truthfully right. but we just continued to make songs i remember we would write we sometimes would write three or four songs in the same day mm-hmm. and it was a lot of fun because you just blew through it so it was you're only getting it out there if it was passionate yeah like if it was actually something that mattered because it, oh, it was crazy times
1: mm-hmm.
0: so the podcast is starting to grow. You use Anchor FM, yeah, which do. is definitely, hey, shout out to Anchor FM. They're one of my sponsors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's, you know, a free place to make a podcast. And I think I have I use a recording program, but you can do the entire thing from your phone.
1: Actually, I'm uh, working on uh, a couple of other podcasts. One of them is called Professional Amateur, where the entire thing is just done through Anchor on a phone. Yeah, that's it.
0: It's pretty cool, the tools Mm -hmm. that they have. I haven't messed with it a lot. Oh, hey, there you go. See if you can catch it, but that was a phone call during a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So we were talking about uh, basically the business model of, of, you know, the podcast on Anchor is very simple. You can do that. Yeah. You can do it over your phone. And Mm -hmm. what you work with is teaching kids basically to use basically just a phone to make music. Yeah. Garage band and all that kind of stuff. Or an iPad. I think a lot of times younger kids will have an iPad instead of a phone.
1: Yeah, they're pretty accessible. Uh, I mean, you can get one for under 300 bucks on Amazon now. Right.
0: So with Dandeland you had to create a business model so mm-hmm. that you could make it viable so you can pay your bills. Yeah, right. Right. And so one of the things that you've done is utilized social media. And recently you can talk a little bit more about this, but you did a fundraiser.
1: Yeah. And so talk on that. Um, so I mean, we try to be, I like the word accessible and says the word cheap, but we try to be cheap, uh, as much as possible. Uh, while still you know surviving and stuff, and there are still people who can't afford it. I was one of those kids, and so often what has happened is that I've either had to say no to somebody who couldn't afford it, or just done it for free. And um, recently, I kind of I call it eat my own dog food or put my money my money where my mouth is, and I was very inactive. I was very active back in the day when I was doing Uncle Nancy on social media. I've been very inactive and I've been more active the last few months. And so I decided to kind of use the attention that I was gathering uh, for my birthday to do um, a fundraiser. And we reached the goal in a day. So
0: basically creating a scholarship.
1: And then, you know, people can look at it however they want. But what it does is they're sponsoring a kid to be able to take the class. The coolest thing that happened is that the next day after we reached our goal in a day, um, I had a parent whose kid is just, I mean, there's no other word. She's a genius. And her mother is a single mother who works her butt off to afford music lessons and it's very apparent that she needs more time and she almost cried the next day when i was like hey so next term the kid's going to get uh 2 hours a week because we raised enough money to do that in a day and it was incredible right
0: which is awesome because yeah. then that, you know, they can continue their growth. And I think that you now doing this, what you mm-hmm. get out of it by working with this kid and inspiring their mind yeah. is I'm sure is is something that can't be replaced for you individually. N- not at all. Yeah. It's the coolest yeah. thing yeah, To be able to witness somebody enter a world of creativity is just the most amazing gift possible.
1: Yeah. I get to do that literally every day. Right. It's pretty amazing.
0: I definitely recommend if you're listening to this, just go check out Dandyland. Is it Dandyland Studios? is
1: what the org is our website. Um, you can also find it on, uh, on Facebook. That's where we're the most active. Right.
0: So on Facebook, using the sponsorship promotion, what you did is you said, I uncle Nancy am known for making albums in 20 minutes. Yeah. So (laughs) I will broadcast on Facebook live for 12 hours. And you can talk a little bit more about
1: that. Yeah. So I, once we reached the first goal, I said, okay, if we reach the second goal, um, I will live stream all day and I'll make an album. And we did that and it actually ended up, it's probably my favorite music I've made in a long time. It's crazy because I've
0: seen a lot of the responses too on social media. And it's no small thing when you make an album ever, even if you promote the hell out of it, Mm -hmm. not just for a weekends that you promote, I'm going to do this thing, that you get any response. You'll get some thumbs up and some heart emojis. But to get people being like, dude, this is actually really good. Yeah, way better. It was cool because you showed the formula again. Like you didn't keep the secret. You exposed
1: it like, here's how I do it. Right, that I started off that morning at seven o'clock and I said, All right, we're just going to make some ukulele riffs. And I made 10 ukulele, r- ukulele riffs and I put them all in a loop. And then I just started going through and I ended up with seven songs, which, you know, that's why I started. I was like, Okay, I'm going to make an EP, but I'll start with 10. Like, I
0: have to be realistic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're like, I didn't make 20 songs in a day.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, seven songs is insane. But what's really interesting that happened is that uh, I actually haven't written a song for me in two years. Right. Most of the songs that I write are with kids or with adults or uh, for a song therapy. It's like someone tells me their story and I turn it into a song. And so because it was so quick, uh, all these things kind of came out of me. Right. Some of it's pretty dark, but really it's a very auto biographical album um i mean the first song is called gaslight it's just about uh you know my grandma and her advice to me with you know i come from a long line of narcissists and gaslighters uh what but, is a gaslighter so it's from a uh hitchcock, or hitchcock film i believe but the whole premise is that you made that part up <laughs> possibly the whole premise is that uh a guy comes in every night and he turns down the gaslight just a little bit. And the I think it's his wife or something. But the woman starts saying, like, hey, it's dim in here. And he says, no, you're crazy. Right. And so he keeps doing it and convinces her that so she's it's like, insane.
0: It's like on The Office where Jim takes a nickel out of his phone receiver to White's phone receiver mm-hmm. every day. Or he puts a nickel in it so that it gets heavier and heavier slowly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's mean.
1: Just, just uh, you know, tr- basically... Uh, it's a tool that a lot of narcissists use to make their victims feel like they're crazy.
0: Right. Well, that's what you did to me.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> so, and I joke, and we're going to bounce around, but that's why I'm so proud of you and our, our friendship as well, which is a fun thing to say out loud. But <laughs> but uh, because we did have a rough a rough end to it because I was so tired of being broken down. So I'm my sponsorship to the Dandelion Studios is the fact that I was the the first victim. Right. Yeah. So it's good. The prototype. And I just, you know, I'm going to plug this right now. I just dropped a new EP, mm-hmm. but it's funny because it's not new at all. It's eight or nine or 10 songs. I don't remember. Yeah. It was a week ago that <laughs> were all old songs. And I purposely yeah. threw in a couple antidote songs. Oh, and so fun. you can check that out on any streaming site. Self-esteem but Willie it's called lazy eye. Cause I do have a lazy eye <laughs> and it's not new music, but it's songs that, I'm kind of going through this transition with self-esteem, but Willie where I'm thinking about kind of retiring it. Like you've done with uncle Nancy. Yeah. And so lazy eye is a, is a reflection of all the music that I created poorly. Yeah. But it's kind of a look back. I really like, right. That. And I finally, cause it's funny cause we've done so much music together, but on my solo career, whatever you want to call it, not careers a weird thing, just it, my creative it, yeah. world of self-esteem, but Willie there's very few tracks that I've used that are me and you like with mm-hmm. vocals. There's like three, so this is cool to throw on at least two or three that you were on. So yeah. if you're on Spotify or Apple music or whatnot, go check out me self-esteem by Willie and listen to the EP lazy eye and a quick plug. Now I'm doing plugs. Yeah. My sponsor, Oregon cashflow pro free money management advice. You guys know James Barber is going to be coming on uh, December 5th. I think it is. And we're going to have our 15th and we're going to have a full talk about money management, you know, prepping for new year's resolution back to the show nice <laughs>
2: yeah so
0: so yeah i'm pretty stoked on what you've been doing so what's the album
1: called the one that i just did I, it's called one day in october because that's, it, that's, yeah, what, that's what it is yeah. right
0: and then you use a really cool video technique you know where you basically just had single shot well
1: yeah i'm i'm actually using i use that for a couple songs off of the one day in october but um I'm working on the first official Joey Helpish album. So I made 29 albums as Uncle Nancy. Haven't made one as me. 29 albums. Yeah, that's disgusting. It. Uh, we have, dandyland has put out 38, and that is something that. I highly
0: recommend People Tune to. That's on Spotify. Dandelion? Yeah. Oh, it's a cool journey, man. Because it's a lot of kids making music and adults. Yeah. And just...
1: And some of it just me. So, like, the song therapy songs is just mean one instrument. Me and a piano or me... And there's, like, nine albums now. We're about to drop the 10th. Um, we do a lot of volumes. Um, we're about to drop the second Dandy Kids album that I'm really excited about. So, the song um, therapy...
0: Those songs, when you do them with a person, they then kind of agree that you're going to upload it. Yeah, yeah. That's part of the whole thing. The cool thing is, they also can have some anonymity where they know it's for them. Yeah. And if they choose to share that information.
1: Yeah, we don't share it. Right. So if they they can, they could be like,
0: this song was written for me. Totally. That's really beautiful because it's it's out there in the sphere, it
1: lives, Mm -hmm.
0: and they're sharing. Because I think a lot of what therapy successfully is is communal to where you're like trying to figure out a way. Again, we talked about like autism and Asperger's. I think what people need to understand and grasp is that it's just a a difficult connection to the outside. I call it a
1: social orientation. Yes. Um, It's very similar to what we sometimes call the gender spectrum or the queer spectrum. That it's a spectrum. That it's like an X, Y axis and you you land somewhere on it. And with autism, there's, you know, not everybody can be like Joe typical. And look you in the eyes and, and, and there's all these rules that I think a lot of people take it, take for granted. Well, what I don't understand
0: today is in today's society, if you can just look everyone in the eyes every day and wake up with no issue, Mm -hmm. I don't trust you.
1: Right. Yeah. Like,
0: how is that that you're just doing okay? Mm -hmm. Like I look, I think about that every single day that every one of us knows what's going on around us and still has to deal with it. Yeah, just that simple. So everybody's going to process that differently.
1: I remember talking to a friend of mine that I worked with and she and she said this as if it was an insult or a bad thing. She's like, "Uh, do you do you just think all the time and do you just always speak the truth? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, why? I was like, why is that a bad thing? Right. What? What? (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah, because that's all you know, like right. Yeah, that's, and so that you don't have to live that facade, so you can actually make breakthroughs and get mm-hmm. to something that you're trying to work on. Right. Like admit defeat or failure right. yeah. or that kind of stuff that you just, actually grow from it.
1: And then just move on. Right. So and do another thing. Yeah.
0: So we got off track.
1: Probably. We're talking about your album, Joey Helpish. Oh, so I was about so the first Joey Helpish album that I've been working on is called The Love. I've wanted to call something The Love for a long time because I just love that sentence, that statement. I do it for the love, um, and so I do it for the money, right? So Dandylan puts out tons of music, and um, I started kind of picking the ones that were just me, not not songs with kids, but songs that I did for song therapy or part of a project. Um, and I started kind of pile them, and then some songs that I made that uh, never got released, and I end up with thirty. So I have thirty songs. Uh, for the love that's like really represents um the musical direction I've been going in several years, and I decided I wanted a YouTube presence for the entire album. I didn't want to make visualizers, you know, like the the things
0: um like the where there's like the top of it has text and it says this guy yeah. just
1: this guy just broke the internet right or like uh um you know waves that bounce in and out or like a the bass makes an image shake. Right. Um, I didn't want to do something that simple, but I'm lazy, and I didn't want to make a, like a well thought out music video for every single. Sure, and direct the whole thing. Right. So That's it was 30 shots,
0: but they were pretty unique. Yeah. I mean, you did so, one with a cell phone that I thought was really cool.
1: Yeah. So I found a lip syncing um, app. And I was like, oh, well, this is designed to do like TikTok style or Musically style little videos. Where you just plug in a song and then you lip sync to it. Well, what happens if I plug in my own song? It's got all these cool filters. Um, and so I'm about halfway done and I'm still working on it. And hopefully in a few weeks I'll have 30 songs of right. of these so TikTok, really simple.
0: TikTok is meme cocaine. Is that what, is yeah, that what that is? Yeah. 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 I don't know if you if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with TikTok, first of all, don't. Yeah. It's it's basically like five minute sorry, five second videos or yeah, it's
1: like vine. Yeah. I don't know if you remember Vine. Oh,
0: yeah. And it died because it was ruining the world. Yeah. Yeah. People blame video games. I blame TikTok and Vine.
1: Yeah. Musically.
0: Right. So, Joey Helpish. Yeah. We keep getting off track. you (laughs) And you keep starting to tell us how the name Helpish came to be.
1: Okay. So, this I think that requires a little bit of backstory. So, that's not my name that I was born with. I was born with the name Joseph Allen Stewart. And I have hated that name my whole life. It is the same last name as the first person that ever abandoned me. So I have like these really weird identity issues that came up because of it. That's a big uh, part of why uncle Nancy existed. I didn't like my name. Um, And so I went by uncle Nancy and then boy, almost eight years ago, I kind of stopped and I liked being called Joey, I just didn't like the last name, Stuart. And so, I, re- I wrote this little, I don't know, kind of essay. It's kind of like how I write. I write in short little bursts about the story about my grandma. So, my grandma was kind of like a co-parent. Like, I was raised with my parents, but, like, I went over my grandma's on the weekend. She's, like, she's basically, like, my dad. Right. Um, and I went to Arizona when I was 15, And for Christmas and she lived in Arizona and uh, I woke up Christmas morning and the kitchen was like a factory. It was just her and I like she was making a whole Christmas dinner for like a hundred people. I was like, what's going on? And she didn't even take time to answer me. She just said, start dishing up uh, some plates with everything on it. She grabbed a few like she was like a waitress with like a, it's she's, called server dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just want you to know I'm listening. Cool. Uh, so she stacks like three plates on each arm, and she goes out. She lives in a trailer park. Goes out of her trailer, comes back. I hand her the the plates, and we just do this like for like an hour. And I try like a couple times to ask what was happening. She's like, "Shut up and dish up the food." And so, finally, when it was done, then we sat down and ate, and I was like, what just happened? And then she looks at me, and she says, there's 180 people in this park, and half of them can't afford food, let alone a Christmas dinner. I can. We're not selfish. We're helpish.
0: That's awesome.
1: And so... And then she forgot that she, like, I would bring it up and be like, Remember when you said that? She's like, I did. And I don't know. I say weird stuff all (laughs) the time. It's
0: like when your parent, when you're a kid and your parent says, Pickles, remember? It's your favorite. And (laughs) you're like, Once I said I liked pickles 10 years ago. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Um,
1: And so then um, on her deathbed, uh, literally the last conversation that we ever had, we talked about all kinds of funny stuff. She's like 93, I think, 92, 92. Um, And. We were talking about what she wanted me to do. And she said, I want you t- to change your stupid last name. I said, actually, I've been thinking about changing it to this stupid word that you said 15 years ago. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, that. That's good. That's cool. Did and you actually do it? Yeah. Legally? So, no, not yet. Uh, Kirsten, and are are no. Uh, <laughs> Kirsten and I are waiting. Are you even a citizen? No. Kirsten and I are waiting until we, when we get married officially. Right. Uh, we'll sense. both change our name last name to help. That's awesome. And, and then the I think Hellbush it's good family. because
0: it's a you know, so, as somebody that knows you well, as an artist, there's a lot of conflict at, at any time. Yeah. So the different things that you can compartmentalize. And I'm mm-hmm. glad that you haven't put Uncle Nancy to rest completely, but He's he still needs around. to be put into his box every once he in a while. He does
1: later, need to stay in his cage. Which is good.
0: Yeah. So uh, you had mentioned writing. And mm-hmm. recently, one of the cool things that is another thing that you're doing, you're yeah. always busy, right. is you came out with your first book. So yep. Amazon self-publisher, you could yes. talk on
1: that. Is yeah. it,
0: It's allowed you to do this.
1: So this, again, comes from what a, a big theme this year for me is eating my own dog food. Is like practicing what I preach. And one of the things that I preach a lot, uh, which you know well, which is just if you want to make, make something, something terrible, make something terrible and just do make it as easy as possible cheat be lazy find the easiest way to accomplish a thing and then do it again and do it again and do it again i wanted to prove that thesis i can't do that with music because i've already written thousands of songs so i thought okay what is something that i want to do that i've never done i want to book with my name on it so then i was like okay what do I have to do to actually do that? I can write 30 minutes at a time. So this book is going to be a collection of little short essays about different things. Um, And then I was like, okay, so I want to print it. I know there's print on demand. What's the easiest way, the most accessible way that's through Amazon um, and they're print on demand. And what's the minimum amount of pages right, yeah. that I have, that I can do, which is 25 pages, about 5,000 words. I was like, all right, so I'm going to, just keep writing posts. Yeah, it's uh, rad. And then the popular ones. Yeah, for Facebook what's posts. What's really cool is that I, I use them as Facebook posts. And the comments would kind of put me in whatever mode for the next piece that right. I wrote. Yeah. Like inspire. Sure. The next thing that I write about. So it starts off being about like, uh, you know, make something terrible. Uh, and there's a post in there called, it's like riding a bike. And then I kind of go into autism a little bit. I go into self-employment a little bit. I go into chronic pain a little bit. Um, And it's just really cool kind of introduction to who Joey Helpish is. Right.
0: So it's cool. So I bought one on Amazon and you know, we'll post your social media links so that you can find all the stuff. You're very open with, you know, what you, how you use social media, a lot Mm -hmm. of live streams and a lot of talking about painful childhood stuff, which I think a lot of people doing that, it allows the internet to be somewhere that people that maybe don't have anywhere to reach can be. Right. And also know?
1: like we were talking about earlier about um, how certain kinds of parents, they wouldn't want me to teach their kids, certain kinds of people wouldn't want me to teach them perfectionists. That's not uh, you know, they're not going to jive with the way that I teach. They're, they're not going to be like, I'm going to make something terrible. They're perfectionists. Sure. Uh, so that's, and there's plenty of places for them to go already. Like my college whole, for me, right? And so, what I try to do with social media, um, you know, I hate the term personal brand, but it just means reputation. What I try to do is be extremely accessible, extremely transparent, and that way there's no question. Well, and it's of communal, who it's, I like, am. it's
0: like what I'm doing with the podcast. Yeah. Like, my goal is that the audience creates
1: the show, yeah.
0: So, the things that are turning on a light so to speak. That's mm-hmm. what I work off of. And that's where, I mean, obviously having guests like you are a long time friend, so it's cool to share little crumbs of my story as well. And then, you know, yeah. a long form get to, I mean, there's things I'm learning today. We, it's right. funny because you had came over and we're messing with the formula cause we're recording this at night. I usually yeah. record in the morning. right? So you can tell that I'm like tired and want to take a nap, but, but, uh, <laughs> You know, we had to talk about it off air because we were hanging out for a couple hours and it's like, oh, we can't talk about that till we hit record. Right. Yeah. You know, and so I there's just really neat when you can do something creatively Mm -hmm. that is communal, you know, and making music like right before we hit record, you and I made a beat. Mm. I mean, you did. I just pushed (laughs) I just pushed record and cut. But, uh, you know, it's really fun. And I, I just remember the one thing about making music that I hate the most is doing it yourself. And so that's what is so beautiful about what dandelion brings to you Mm -hmm. that you're able to inspire and and crack nuts. Yeah. You know, like crack open this creativity for these individuals. And we talked about kids, but I think the big thing that you had stressed too is mostly you do teach adults. Yeah. that's And and then the most beginners or intermediate or whatever level you're at.
1: Yeah. All of the above. So, I mean, we, I've worked with uh, newbies who are in their sixties who are like hey i got some more free time i always want to play the guitar i just want to play while i watch football and so i just try to make that experience that they have better or i have people who are maybe i mean i have one student who had played and performed for years never written a song um she's now at 30 three years later 30 songs that she's written wow um and, or I have someone who's a really great singer and they're tired of relying on other guitar players. Right. Um, or vice versa. And I teach somebody how to find their voice and how to sing. Cause everybody can sing.
0: So one thing about making music and you are self-taught, but you are still a professional musician as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, one guess. thing about making music is that you don't get paid for making the, the music that you're making that day. You get yeah. paid for the body of work you've done over yeah. your entire career, the over your entire yeah. life to yeah. get you to that date. And one of the things I think that's neat that you do and by opening up this door to people is that you've done the legwork when it comes to how to use the Internet, how to use tools, yeah. how to use your phone to record music mm-hmm. or to put it out there. And so you're sharing that with people. Now, when you introduce to someone the world of Spotify, having your music available on yeah. a streaming site, that's gigantic. Yeah, that, And I just recently switched over to upload to DistroKid. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening and you want to make music, that's the one that I would recommend. So DistroKid is an individual. It's $20 a year for one artist to have unlimited uploads for that artist. Yep, Unlimited. And so if you're hearing that, just make something terrible. Yeah. Seriously, just go do it. Just put it out. Right. Because it's such an amazing feeling to see your music
1: play next to Bad Religion Mm -hmm. (laughs) or whatever it is. And it just
0: levels the playing field.
1: Right. And, um, you know, saturate the market. Do it. I mean, the way that the internet works, there's kind of no way to oversaturate things. And I don't think we have enough music. I look forward to a future where it is an actual language, where people literally send songs back and forth to each other. And that's a conversation that lasts for years. Right. And that it's a type of communicating. Like, how cool would it be in in a world where everyone is so musically literate? That's really what I'm all about, is musical literacy. Just understanding how to to speak the language of music but what if someday literally after you send a kid off to college or you send it you know you send them um off in the world the two of you for the rest of your life just instead of sending letters to each other send songs right that's you know playlists yeah (laughs) sure right yeah but um I just like really believe in that. I've always really believed that everyone should play music. right. Um, but I believe that everyone should make art. Everyone is an artist. It's what we're here to do. It's what uh, it's what evolution says. It's right. what the Bible says. Well
0: you showed me when you first got to the house, you showed me the formula yeah that, what did you call it root
1: root motives, root yeah. motives. part of the dandelion method of yeah. songwriting
0: and yeah. that is just i because i was curious because i'd seen you posting a lot of stuff about what dandelion was but i haven't taken a class yet and yeah. i definitely want to now you've been hounding me about doing probably since day one yeah. yeah and yeah so if you're listening to this root motives it's this new technique that you're building and, yeah. and man i mean we talked about it a little already but Definitely need to look into that because it's it's right there in front of you written out where you get the notes and you can see, oh, my gosh, it really starts to make music theory make sense emotionally.
1: Yeah. I mean, the coolest thing is recently I've been sharing this technique with musicians who are accomplished, more accomplished than I am, and they love it. Every single one. I just got um, a text the other day from Marvellis and, and he like had a bunch of songs that were like, oh, like what I got from Sublime, he's like, What are the root motives? And I was like, Oh, well, it's power, hope, and love. And he's like, This is the coolest thing, ever. yeah.
0: You got to patent that or copyright right. that. Well, I
1: think we're just going to keep out in front of it, uh, so that it's very apparent that it's a, that the dandelion it. sure. method. And I
0: think that that's a great way because you've never really gotten too serious about copyright stuff because you're just oh, like, I, what, Whatever, I'm anti, yeah, because yeah. it's like, Who gets to own creativity? Once you put it out in
1: the world, everyone owns it, yeah. It's a, it's a language. How do you own a language? You can't do that, right. I mean, I have I could go on rants for days about how uh, it's a hundred years. You get a hundred years to make money and make an industry off of some art form. That has happened over and over and over. We had the 20th century where we got to make a bunch of money off of recorded music, but then the internet caught up with itself, and it's impossible. Right now, like they just it was make, before. Now it's just making clout. That's it's not even music. Yeah, anymore. the only way that you can really just like back in the day. Uh, When you had to like have a degree in an orchestra and stuff, the only way you can really make, you know, become a rock star now is to be a tool. Right. And that's fine for people who are good at being a tool. Like that's not meant to be uh, an insult. There are people who are very good at being a cog in a wheel and they should do that. But for the rest of us, it's really cool that you can just make an album on your iPhone. Totally.
0: And I always feel like that argument with someone's like, why do you do this? It's never going to go anywhere. I always want to say like, why do you play basketball?
1: Right. That's the writing. Like, of... You're not going to make it to the NBA. There's a chapter in what the help is called. It's like riding a bike. And the whole concept, this is another thing that I say to students a lot is like, do you know what you've never heard? You've never heard somebody say, I'll never be Lance Armstrong. So what's the point in riding a bike? Yeah, why do you run? Right. Seriously. Like you're not going to get there. <laughs> Right. And um, and it's because it's the experience. Uh, Seriously. The it's big
0: enjoying it- the process. Yeah, the, It's, it's the, like I mentioned before. It's like yeah. if you enjoy the process, there's something about finishing it and recording it and documenting it. Mm-hmm. And I started making music and whatever level. I mean, my stuff is success. Who cares? Yeah. But my music creations, I took some dark stuff and I put it out and it allowed me to work through like you call it music therapy the way you do yeah. it. But that's why I make music. Well, it's song it's therapy. Mu- it's very... Sure.
1: Very important to me, the distinction between music theory, which nobody can tell me what actually, or music therapy, therapy, nobody can actually tell me what that is. Um, Some cross section. That'll be the
0: next thing that you get to
1: create. Right. But song therapy, to me, why it's so important that I use the word song therapy is that writing a song, there's nothing like it. And the whole creation of song therapy came from, I went to see two shows, three bands that night, sang a song I wrote. It was unreal. Wow. It was one of the coolest experiences of my life. But the biggest thing is that I heard my emotions come back to me. um, And I was validated in a way that was like just incredible. And I was like, I want to give this to people. So the socials, let's
0: go over that. Joey Hopish and anywhere on social media. I'm going to post the links. Facebook and Instagram are the big ones. Yeah, I'm on there. The podcast is called How To Song. Yeah,
1: that's all over Apple Podcast, Spotify, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Yeah, and then uh, recently I've been taking the YouTube channel pretty seriously. There's a bunch of content on there. Um, that's just Joey Helpish, There's... and that's
0: starting out, you know. But you also have the Uncle Nancy, and is there links? So we're gonna post all this yeah. in, in the liner notes and the show notes of the show. So. Um,
1: well, Uncle Nancy actually, as of today, is officially. I we've had a band camp uh, for pff, twelve years now. I think 10 years, Wh- whenever it started, I was like one of the first people on Bandcamp, Um, and I'm closing that down and we're going to be re uploading all that old stuff to Spotify and stuff. Nice to just make um, it to so where just streaming there. Yeah. Just so that I can kind of memorialize that time of my life. That's going to be creatively. hard because a lot
0: of the stuff's got uploaded to different places and you're going to yeah. see a lot of red flags.
1: Right. Probably. We'll,
0: we'll see in the yeah. uploading process. And if you use DistroKid, you know what we mean, but yeah. I do want to wrap it up cause we're coming to an hour cool. So, you know, we're going to end it with a song, and this was from the album that you just wrote, and we were talking today, and I was just like, I'm going to pick one, and I chose Effortless. So that's actually not out yet, officially. Well, we're going to ruin it, because we're putting it out. Yeah. So, Effortless has a music video online, and I chose it for multiple reasons. First, the title caught my attention, Mm -hmm. because it is the way that you make music. You make it look effortless. Thank you. And... I'm not saying it's good. I just said you make it look effortless. But uh, so so it's a really cool one. Plus, I like to start a song that has a good intro Mm -hmm. because it just sounds better on the podcast. Because right now I can go do, 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 and like fade it in, you know? Yeah. So, Joey, it's awesome. Since you're here the night before, you broke my rhythm. Maybe we'll record another podcast tomorrow morning. Yeah. But I want to stay to my my one hour because I think that after that, we lose interest in our audience and they all need to go to bed. Can I say something about the song real quick? No.
1: (laughs) Anyways, yes, you can. Okay, so this is actually one of the first song therapy songs. And we had a we got hired to work with a jeweler um, and write songs with his clients. So this was a, a couple who was getting married, and they told me their love story. Um, and then I turned it into a song. So that's what this song is. And I asked them for one phrase, if they could only say one thing to each other forever and ever, what it was. And it was, I fucking love you. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's funny because I did choose it as the one song of the four, whatever you gave me an mm-hmm. option of. And I probably picked the only one with a cuss word. It's great. Right, yeah so you know we haven't you know we're gonna have to throw that little e next to next to <laughs> this episode well joey joey helpish uh the all the links are gonna be in the show notes i appreciate you doing this Thank uh you so this much. is gonna be something that we'll have to do at least once a quarter we'll have you back on the podcast if you to. haven't noticed though don't feel special because i literally say that to every guest <laughs> good i'll have you back once a quarter which means we can be friends again in four months sweet thanks a lot this is joey helpish with effortless
2: The message, hey, you, you're right. You can't fix it. Stay the night